Happy holidays and welcome to a very special episode of the Toadstool Boardroom and not a normal episode of your favorite weekly Nintendo show. My name is Logan Plant and I'm joined by Chris Shriver. Hello. And Justin Corice. What's up, fellas? And we said this was our last or last week was our last show of the year, but uh, we are coming back to you here over the winter break with a special episode where we're not talking Nintendo. That's the one thing that's off the table this week's episode of the boardroom. There's a ton of other fun stuff that came out this year we want to talk about from games on other platforms, our favorite movies, TV shows, really whatever these guys want to bring to the table is up for discussion here in this little holiday bonus episode. And I want to get started by talking about some other games that came out this year, not on Nintendo platforms, because all year people have been saying, what, 2023 is one of the biggest years for games ever, and a ton of stuff came out that didn't come to Switch. So, Justin, I'll go to you first. What were some of your favorite games that weren't on Switch this year? You know, by far the game that I played the most this year was Halo Infinite. I seriously can't get enough. The multiplayer is in such a good place right now. They've added so many modes. The... You know, seasonal battle passes that they do are pretty quick to get through. You can get through in a session or two. They've added things like Fiesta, where you always spawn with random weapons. Super Fiesta, where they do crazy upgraded versions from the main game. Uh, they just added things like heavies. Um, the the Forge has completely changed the game. There's so many maps and modes coming out all the time. Uh, several get official versions that you can dive into and play. Others you can just find uh, and uh, mess around with. Like one that I was telling you about, I forget the name of it, but effectively the way it works is it's a large multiplayer one, but everybody is in a single circle of uh, a large, let's call it like an 8 by 8 grid. You can't move, you can only pop up and sit down, and everybody has a sniper rifle. So all you can do is pop up, take a shot, hope you don't get shot, and drop back down. Like whack-a-mole. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like whack-a-mole, and because everybody is in these grids, uh, even if somebody's not necessarily shooting at you, if you pop up when the bullet comes by at something that was between you uh, uh, and you are aligned with where the shot is coming from, you can also go down, so you end up with a large number of these Quigley medals, which happen when you kill more than one target uh, with a single shot. Um, and of course, like Husky Raid cannot get enough of Husky Raid. Husky Raid combines the weapon chaos of Fiesta with uh, two very close together flags and a single corridor, basically, of two flag capture the flag. And it's nuts. It's completely unbalanced and it doesn't need to be balanced. It's just absurdity. You end up getting your, your team completely wiped. You get some team wipes. You end up with lots of hilarious clips. Um, it is my most played game of this year, bar none. Sometimes I think games can get so unbalanced that it makes it balanced since it's the <laughs> same much. unbalanced experience for everybody. Like Mario Party, I think, is like that. Mario Kart is like that. And and yeah, that Husky Raid was super fun when we played Halo the other night. Halo Infinite's an interesting one. I, I wrote the walkthrough for the campaign for that game in 2021 when it came out, and I was wow. so in love with it. I played the multiplayer for like the first two months, and then like a lot of people, I just dropped off. And then, Justin, you're the one that convinced me to get back into it, and it's been so fun the few times I have picked it back up. It's an awesome game that I feel like deserves more recognition than it's getting for how they've really turned that one around. I feel like everyone's talking about, oh, look at how Cyberpunk turned itself around, or, or look at what like No Man's Sky has done over the last few years. Halo Infinite it has really turned itself around and it deserves credit for that yeah those are its, it's contemporaries as an all-time great comeback story in gaming totally and chris didn't you say that you jumped into halo infinite for a little bit recently i actually did yeah i was um after you guys had talked about how much fun you had in that uh that nighttime you know uh gaming session you guys had um i went and did uh sniper 
like a sniper match on mm-hmm. like Team Slayer. On uh, I did both my Steam Deck because I wanted to see how it would run on there, and then I did it on my uh, my PC, and it was the first time I was playing on this monitor because I got this this big forty eight inch monitor that I use as my my main desktop monitor, and uh, a, a lot of people had said that. Um, or I had read like a lot of people's uh, opinions of like playing a first-person shooter on something like this because it is so big. Like you're almost like too close. Um, but I just like dragged that FOV slider and I I popped off so many heads playing that <laughs> mode. Um, so I I actually really over Christmas I would love to uh, to get back into it. Um, it, it it is a game that I'm. I mean, I've been playing Halo for the majority of my life at this point um, mm-hmm. in in different formats, but um, unfortunately, because of uh, the Master Chief Collection and primarily Destiny Two and how much I played that on PC, I really can't play it on console anymore. Um, like, I'll do the Halo campaigns, but I I can't play multiplayer. It's just I'm not uh, as good at FPSs on on a controller as I used to be. Um, but uh, no, I'm. I would love to get back into Halo. It, like, oh, but yeah, because I'm so familiar with it, it's easy for me to jump back into. Even like, if a lot of time passes between, you know, the la- like, I hadn't played it for like a year and a half. Um, but, and uh, I, I will say the great thing about the modes that we tend to play, like Fiesta, is that frankly, being good is like maybe three or four on that priority list in those games <laughs> because like cool like yeah, all right you are you are absolutely great at this game but you have a plasma pistol and i spawned with tracking rockets that will just home in on you yeah Easy. i feel like uh like rockets on hang em high was like splatoon before we had splatoon it was like the closest mm-hmm. thing to it because it's like well if you can just shoot in the general area <laughs> yeah exactly. you'll get somebody yeah halo has always been the only shooter Besides Splatoon, the only first-person shooter that I've really gravitated towards. I never, when Call of Duty, I feel like, was at its peak, I don't know, at least in the people in my life, I was just never into it in, in kind of the Black Ops, MW3, Black Ops 2 era, but Halo just really clicked with me. I think that Time to Kill is a big part of it. I like mm-hmm. how long that is in Halo. I think that it, it makes for a lot of strategy rather than just whoever is like the twitchiest, quickest reaction player always wins the bout. So I, I've always really gravitated towards Halo for that. And I even liked Halo 4 more than I think most people did. Halo 5 I really hated like most people <laughs> did. And Yes, but Infinite has, it was really great. I even loved that campaign. And it's maybe because of how the multiplayer is turning itself around, they will end up going back and making a single player expansion to it. But it's going to be interesting to see what the future of campaign halo holds after everything that happened with infinite and 343 and microsoft so we'll see but i really like infinite and think it's pretty underrated and yeah justin you've been kind of banging the drum for halo infinite this year and that's been nice to see how about you chris what's a game that didn't come out on a nintendo platform this year that you've been into uh i actually played um just star wars jedi fallen order i played the whole thing um oh i was was looking at my uh steam and review and that's my most played game uh surprisingly i'm finding that across the board i did a lot of like let me try this game like there were on steam at least there's 45 new games that i played that's not counting things that were emulated um because that just you know puts it under the same umbrella um but uh I, I don't tend to stick with games very long now. Apparently, if it doesn't grab me in the first hour or two, I'm like I'm pretty much out. Um, You're a busy guy. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. Um, but no, that was a that was a really really good game. Um, that was uh, 
the first game that I had. So um, I'll get real into it for a second. So there's this application called Moonlight that lets you um, stream your PC games over your network with like next to no latency. Um, Moonlight and Sunshine. If you're interested in any of this, you can look those up. Um, but so I have that hooked up to my PC hooked up to my home network and then that allowed me to play Fallen Order on like any device I wanted. So I have an Apple TV in the living room and uh, if I was playing it in there, I would uh, you know stream it to the Apple TV and it was like this like super high fidelity uh, like 4K max setting 60 FPS that I was able to just stream over my network um, and, and play it that way. And part of it was like, I just wanted to test it and just see how it worked and how it looked. And then I ended up like, it worked so well that I ended up like playing the whole game cause I just got super into it. Um, and that was around the time that my son was born. Um, so he would, you know, take a nap on me and then I would just be like, well, I can't move. And then I would play star Wars. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was one that I had tried to play when it came out at first and it really didn't grab me. I, I had played like originally, um, on normal difficulty and I'm not like a souls like type person. Um, not, hard game. yeah, it, it does have difficult moments for sure. And I ended up playing it on like super easy dad mode and, uh, just had a really good time with it. It's like, you know, it's the star Wars uncharted game that, um, you know, I, I never really had before. None of us really ever had before. Um, I will be playing the sequel when it gets cheaper. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of my mantra for most games that aren't Nintendo games at this point. Um, you know, if it hits 20 bucks or less then I'm probably picking it up if I'm like remotely interested in it, but uh, you're, you're the manufacturer. So you got to hit that shrive price point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, SRP, the shrives, uh, the su- yeah. SRP, the shrives, the shrives suggest retail, retail price. price. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Justin, are you into the Jedi games at all? You know, I played, I, I want to say, close to halfway through uh, Fallen Order, but I never really had a good time. Um, like, it wasn't like a progression thing. Uh, I got through it just fine. Cause I actually do play a lot of Souls games and stuff. I just I just didn't like it very much, so I didn't bother to pick up the second one. But I generally tend to really like Star Wars games. Huge KOTOR fan, love KOTOR 2. I grew up with Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, and Super Return of the Jedi on the Super Nintendo. Um, you take me to an arcade, and if they have one of those, like, Star Wars arcade machines, I'm 100% going to be sitting down there. Honestly, the vast majority of my interest in gaming is because I pretty much just want to be behind the controls of an X-Wing. Uh, so I have a lot of affection nice. for it, but but yeah, these particular ones just did not get me. Have you played uh, Star Wars Squadrons at all? Oh, oh yeah. Have you played it in VR? I have not. Um, oh, but baby. It, if you have seen my uh, desk set up here, uh, it does a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've I've got a great light six setup and throttle and all that stuff. Nice. Although I will I will say the original X Wing versus High and X Wing and Five Fighter games back in the day. Uh, have yet to be topped. Yeah, yeah, I, for sure. I am. I'm really super into the current Star Wars Jedi games from Respawn. I think that I don't know about how we've never really talked Star Wars movies as a trio. I don't think, but no. man, Episode Nine burned me so hard. Oh, it's I so think bad. it's like, yeah, yeah it's. <clears throat> I call it my least favorite movie. I know I've seen worse movies, but just for the impact of that movie and what it represents and it being the end of this saga of nine films and just it's how not even just much that, it was- though. It's just like it's how much it it changed everyone's like humanity's perspective of what this franchise meant. And not only 
the franchise, but honestly, it made me start to care about stories less for everything in yeah. general. And that's not even a joke. Like uh, something I was going to talk about on this episode specifically is I feel like this year I have finally accepted that I don't really care about stories and games with rare exceptions. Like there's some that I definitely do, but for the most part I don't. And I've been thinking about that and I can trace that origin all the way back to rise of Skywalker <laughs> and just how awful that movie was. And in coping with the disappointment of how the Skywalker saga ended, it just really settled in with me. This is all just made up by some person. Some people just <laughs> write these things and they do whatever they want. It's not real. It doesn't mm. matter. It's fictional. And I'm not saying that stories don't have an impact on me. I just think that what I seek from stories now is different. I like stories that are pretty heavy with their messaging or their metaphors or their symbolism i really love things like that like a movie justin and i both saw recently that we're going to talk about i adored the story in that but yeah star wars killed it, it killed my love for the franchise when episode 9 came out but the one thing i'm clinging on to is these jedi games i think that they are phenomenal i do really like the story in them i think cal and his Band of Heroes is just outstanding. I haven't beat Jedi Survivor yet. I'm about halfway through, but I'm really loving that one. I think that the... I'm surprised it didn't grab Justin because it feels like Metroid Prime. Like, it's a Metroidvania in so many different ways that I really like the map design and the world in those games. And, yeah, it's seriously the only Star Wars thing I care about anymore. I don't watch any of the shows. I have no hype for any upcoming projects this is it for me. This is all I care about in Star Wars now. I wouldn't even call myself a Star Wars fan anymore. I'm a Star Wars Jedi fan. I'm excited <laughs> to see how this trilogy goes. But yeah, so I really like these games. Star Wars, man. Star Wars, It's no man. good. It's, it's, yeah. like, it, it just makes me sad. I mean, and, and to your point, like, um, I feel like it was one of the, like, there were a lot of concerns when it was like, oh, Disney bought Star Wars and all that. And not to like really beat a dead horse with this, but like for a long time, I really didn't get it. And then that movie came out and it was kind of like, oh, so this thing that was so beloved because of its like authenticity to um, just filmmaking in general um, was just kind of lost to the corporate like machine. Um, mm -hmm. And it like, well, it has to appeal to everyone and therefore it doesn't appeal to anyone. Um yeah. It it just, you know, it it has made me appreciate even more so um things that are more material. Uh or like like things that are more handcrafted, more hands-on, um <laughs> and more um like you said, have that that deeper messaging within it. It's not just like, oh, here's another Marvel movie, go get the shiny thing, you know. Exactly. Like I, I guess I don't want to make it sound like I don't care about stories at all, because that's not the case. But sure adventure stories where it's like just following these characters doing things that doesn't mean anything to me i just don't care about following that kind of thing i like yeah i, I like a lot much deeper stories an example of that is last jedi i adore that movie i, I understand really that yeah on, on a surface level plot there's some problems but the way that challenges what star wars is and it really kind of calls out a lot of pillars of the franchise that don't make sense it's brilliant and i love stuff like that and then nine just took a big dump all of it as much as they possibly could and became yeah. just one of the dumbest movies i've ever seen yeah and apparently Absolutely. there's an Justin, alternate cut of it out there somewhere that they're just like uh, yeah no we're never gonna you're never you, gonna see you can't 
You cannot cut that into a good movie. I know. I really no. don't think you can. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. For me, it ends with eight, and I've accepted that. <laughs> Nine didn't fine. happen. Yeah, I don't think there's... We'll move on here from Star Wars after this. I don't think there's ever been a louder rea- a negative reaction I've heard in a theater than when Kylo Ren says you're a Palpatine. That is the... <laughs> people audibly groaned, and pe- members of my family I was sitting next to were a, a few of them. Like, we oh, were... And when they kiss yeah. at the end? Oh, my gosh. So bad. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. so much... Well, and oh, God, that's got the scene, too, where, like, they fall in the sand, and it's like, you're a bunch of Jedi, and you can't escape an eight-foot-tall ceiling. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Justin, back to you. Any other games you want to shout out? Yeah, so um, I uh, I play a lot of games throughout the year, partially for work, partially for me. And like one of the games that I always play every year um, is Madden. And I just want to give sort of a shout out to my Madden League. I'm in this huge 32-person Madden League. And I think it was originally started as a bunch of uh, industry people, but it's kind of a mix of people from all walks of life. Uh, and so um, I, behind Halo, that might be what I put the most hours in recreationally. Uh, and as for as many problems as Madden has, and it has a lot of problems, there's a lot that's extremely not good about that game. Um, it's still a really well-presented, good-looking um, football uh, semi-sim, and it is tough to build, to beat the high that comes with like playing another human player and winning a football game. Um, I I had one of one of our league games yesterday, uh, and I was I, uh, I I lucked out. I managed to get the Seahawks. You don't always get the team that you pick, and nice. it's funny. Like I, I I actually I'm not that great on the sticks. Like I'm okay, but I'm not great. Really, I I like drafting guys. I play it like a, a, a strategy sim or like a JRPG. Like I want XP. I want to fill up my party, and that's all I care about. And if they do well in the field, so be it. And and but we ended up with, with this this. I want to say we were tied like thirteen thirteen going in, into the fourth quarter, and we play eight minute quarters, so they go pretty quick. And then like the dam broke, and I think we scored a combined forty two points in the fourth quarter. Just just like by the end, we were literally trading like one play touchdowns, and it was neither one of us could stop the other. And it finally, I finally ended up winning. Um, I, I'd been playing a, a rookie quarterback and I was down, uh, by a single point and I finally got the ball back after his quick touchdown with like 20 seconds left. I switched to my veteran quarterback through a single deep pass, uh, that DK Metcalf hauled in on the sideline and then kicked the game winning field goal. And when I finished, I was sweating. My heart was pounding <laughs> like the adrenaline let down. And so like as much as, you know, these like ongoing series and live service games and annual franchises get a, a well-deserved bad rap, like when you're in them, there is a reason why people stick around and why they keep doing it, because that high is tough to reproduce in any other game. I used to play a lot of Madden, man, in like Madden 13 and then Madden 25 era on the 360. I played a ton of Madden, but I played with buddies who did not take it seriously. And just you do trick plays, fake field goal pass, QB sneak, fake QB spike pass. Like that's, <laughs> you live in the special plays playbook. Oh, our, that was my Madden experience. Yeah, our, 
our our rule book is about as big as the NFL's rule book. It's kind of it, it's it's a lot, uh, and we're into it. And like, there's there's a bunch of like industry folks in it. Like, like our division in particular has uh, Cat Bailey is like my arch rival. I was gonna ask uh, if she was in there. I, she was talking yeah, about you, that you, on NBC uh, this week. You know, oh yeah, I I did not catch that. She she beat me twice last year. Um, but I I rep- represented the conference in the Super Bowl, so it's kind of TBD. Uh, Will Borger, a friend of ours, uh, oh, nice. is in our is in our league as well. Um, and um. So it, like it's 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 really cool. Uh, Mark Mark Delaney from Gamespot's in there, um, and so like there, there there's a bunch of us, and it is we are we do tend to be very hardcore uh, and like very granular. Like this, we just had the draft recently. The number of spreadsheets that were put together for that with uh, all, everybody's combine numbers and things. It's it's a lot of fun when you you know when you approach it from basically find the, the thing that's the most fun to you and it's it is tough to uh uh put down nice nice do you play any other like annual sports games or you play the show i know any others besides those two no um i honestly like for, from a career standpoint it would be smart for me to get into it uh just like as you know if anybody who's listening ever aspires to be like a freelance writer finding a beat that a lot of people don't cover is really helpful and i will say and sports being an gaming, expert in that yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sports sports games in particular is a beat where the the amount of overlap between people who are gamers and writers and video game like writers and who are like big sports fans is not that big of an overlap. And so there's not that many of us. We all kind of know each other at this point. And um, you know, I have plenty of ed- editors who reach out to me and are like, "Hey, do you know anybody who can cover this thing that I know that you don't like? You're not a FIFA guy, so who, do you know anybody who can do FIFA?" This was the conversation I had with IGN literally this year. Like, "Hey, do you know anybody who can do FIFA?" Uh, I was like, "Well, it's not me, but um, let me throw some feelers out." And so, like, if you can find a beat like that, that's such a great way to get an in uh, and become an expert at something like that. Totally. Yeah, I have a few other games written down, but. Really, none of them that I'm I'm super passionate about. Honestly, my favorite stuff this year was on Nintendo platforms, which makes sense. My top three of the year, I think, was it was Zelda, Mario, and F Zero. Wild Hearts is a PlayStation game that I really adored. It's on Xbox also. That, that's yeah. the Monster Hunter like. That's just it's really fantastic. Good. But I'm playing Alan Wake two right now, and I have mixed feelings on it. Honestly, I think that it's super cool how weird and different and experimental it is but sometimes i can't decide if i think like it's organic and this is just wacky or if they're really trying to make it weird i I can't decide if it feels forced to me or not how much of it is am i having fun (laughs) um i felt that way about the first one I never played the first one. Okay. I did try Control and really did not like it. Yeah. Uh, so we watched a recap before picking this one up. I, like you, Chris, this year also, I realized that I am perfectly okay turning the difficulty down to the easiest mode yep. on a game I don't super care about that much. And, and Alan Wake 2 is one of those. Yeah, I feel like if uh, if there's a game that I'm really going to be gravitating towards, I'm like, like if Banjo-Kazooie had like a master mode, I would be playing it, but it doesn't. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if it's a game that I love enough to play again on a harder difficulty, I'll do that. But that first go around, like, no, I want to, especially if it has like a really strong narrative, like I want to see the whole thing through if I think the world is cool enough. And if the game's too hard, mm-hmm. like I don't have time to fight this thing anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I get maybe like six hours a week to play stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, I got to yeah. soak up those moments as much as I can. Yeah, because another realization I've had this year is how I think combat is in the focus of way too many games. 
just way too many popular games sure. totally center themselves around combat and even if the combat's not necessarily that good. Alan Wake is an example of that. It's this survival horror game. I think the story and the vibes are the most interesting part of that game and the live action stuff they're trying out. But then there's these Resident Evil 4 type sections where you're managing your ammo and your flashlight battery and going for headshots to take out enemies in as few shots as possible. And it's just not interesting to me. So I turned that one down to the easiest difficulty. And I'm like, I'm going to experience what I'm here to see and just kind of plow through the shooty parts because it's just not that compelling to me. And I know we're not talking about Nintendo, but today I plugged in the kind of connection with Zelda that I've talked about how I think Zelda has a really nice balance of exploration combat and puzzle solving there's not too much combat in that game but right now i'm going and i'm checking off all the side quests that i haven't done in that game yet and you don't have to do combat for almost any of them in something like final fantasy 7 remake it's like you go and take out 10 grunts and that's a side quest and there's so many examples of games where the side quests are all just go do the combat in a different location and then come back and tell me you did it but in zelda it's like throw these five cuckoos into the coop or ride this minecart roller coaster and shoot the balloons or build me this thing so I can pull this cart. And there's 150 side quests and less than a quarter of them is combat required. And I think that's just super cool. It makes me feel like I'm actually living in this world instead of just running from combat scenario to combat scenario, which something like Spider-Man 2 I think all you do in that game is swing and punch. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and that's an issue I have with a lot of non-Nintendo AAA games is they're just so, so centered on combat. And the combat's not always that fun. And, and that's just, yeah, I think I'm really discovering more of my taste as I get older and have less time to play stuff. I really am deciding, oh, I don't want to just mash square and parry all these enemies in spider-man for 20 hours i just don't want to do that anymore swinging in punches is, is what you get for 300 and some million dollars of development yeah i know that was wild that was a wild story this week yeah chris did, are you still playing spider-man or did you give up on that one? I, i'm like hot and cold on spider-man like i feel like when i'm playing it if i oh it's almost like this all the problem like if i'm in it and i'm like organically going from place to place i'm having a good time you know like that game does a really good job at You'll do a story mission, the mission ends, you're in New York City, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a a crime being committed, go there, and like you go and do it. And then when you're there, you're near another activity, and it's like, oh, another piece of candy, and you just keep, like, you get stuck in that loop. Um, mm -hmm. It does a really, really good job with that until, you know, you've checked off enough of the boxes, and then, like, it starts to feel pretty empty. Um, I, I was interested in where the story was going i, I still kind of am um but i haven't uh i haven't played it in probably a week and a half now um just christmas and stuff going on um yeah i mean i'm sure i'll finish it at some point um i uh i did hook up uh chiaki on the deck so i've been like streaming a lot of it um when i like before i go to bed like there was a while where that was like my you know, I have a half hour. I'll do I'll do a mission and then go to bed. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I'm not, like, itching to play it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's how I was when the first one came out. And even that game. Like, I got the, the Platinum in that. Um, 
And by hour 10, I was like, wow, I've chased how many pigeons around this city? Like, I really don't want to do this anymore. Um, And the DLC wasn't very good. Um, I think it's really impressive, like, the world that they built. Um, The fact that you can stick to the side of any New York building and there's, like, a person in there and an apartment with a couch. Like, they they really took the time. But um, I don't know. It's not grabbing me the way that uh, a lot of these what I'll now call, well, last-gen PlayStation titles did. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, admittedly, there aren't that many uh, PlayStation titles really pulling me in at this point, so I really just haven't been turning that console on over the last year. First-party PlayStation, they've, like, kind of completely lost me this gen. Yeah. (laughs) I think, hands down, my two favorite PlayStation games this gen have been Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Yep. That game is amazing, and more people need to play it. It is so great. And Astro, Astro's Playroom, or is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah, I think that's what the PS4. Yeah, those two games are great. They're also the most Nintendo-like, so this might be a me problem, but I got a <laughs> no, War but Horizon. I mean, yeah, like God of War, I God of War I really enjoyed, but um, it there hasn't been a game that has felt like, oh, this is the next-gen like experience that we all were kind of like... Like, like this is utilizing the full power of this console, and a lot of it is because a lot of these games went cross uh, platform. You know, they they did release on PS4 and PS5 day and date. Um, so you know, I think a lot of the uh, the things that they could have done, they didn't because the install base was so low uh, on the console. Now, what we're seeing next year is, or at least the rumors are saying, that we can expect a PS5 Pro, and I'm just sitting here shaking my head like. Why? Even the most, I don't know how you can convince the most diehard of PlayStation fans to even shell out the money for this thing at this point. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're, I don't know, like you're locking down 4K60 for Call of Duty for the most diehard fan there. Like, and maybe that's that's who they're aiming for. I don't know, but like, you don't have enough games <laughs> to really yeah, I, I, be making this necessary at this point. At least it doesn't. I feel guess that I way. think that. If a pro can kind of make it so the player no longer has to choose between 60 frames and native 4K. I don't think it will. I could see some people who care about that, but I don't know if it'll do that, like you just said. Yeah, I don't think it will. Yeah. I don't. I think, oh, I think what will get us there will be the integration of like more sophisticated NVIDIA DLF, DLSS and... Uh, I forget what AMD's super sampling, like like AI driven super sampling <laughs> is, but um, having that more integrated in home consoles, um, you know, that's our best bet. And really, right now, um, on both the Xbox, for the most part, yeah, I think this is right on the Xbox and the the Sony side, like you're waiting on AMD to innovate, and I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of that innovation is happening in the Nvidia space right now. So, if anything, you might see low power returns on Nintendo consoles for that, but I don't know about the big dogs. I feel like they're just like raw power at this point. Well, and that's exactly what they're saying about the potential next uh, Nintendo console is that it'll have, you know, since it's running NVIDIA chips, it'll have a version of DLSS or something built into it to help it achieve performance with lower spec hardware. And I'm looking up and down a list of games that are exclusive to the PlayStation 5 specifically, like not PS4 and PS5. Mm Mm-hmm. There's nothing. This is this is really sad. Um, like maybe the Demon Souls remake, if you're into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't really care about Ratchet and Clank. Um, 
I didn't. Yeah, but even that, that like, not many people did. Well, and Ratchet and Clank. So Ratchet and Clank. Um, I keep wanting to say Signalis, and that's not right. What's the one? Um, Returnal. Returnal. Yeah. yeah, those Returnal's are cool. I like Returnal's that. Cool. I liked it. They're, I didn't love it. They're both it. on PC now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. even their, you know, a lot of their exclusives at this point. I think Demon Souls might be one of the only ones that is console yeah. exclusive. And you know, the, the news just came out today that they've outsold the Xbox three to one, and I don't. I frankly don't get it. Like, uh, I don't understand what would why somebody would pick one platform over the other in general. I think the only thing driving that at this point is, uh, I think if you're a new customer, an argument can be made to get an Xbox. But I think if you're somebody that p- bought a lot of games on the PS4 last generation, like yeah. the PS5 is the best PS4 I've ever owned, and I think that's why a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what? What was a terrible investment was that PSVR two that I haven't touched in oh. since shortly after launch. Yeah, yeah. you should have gotten a. a Did you like 3. anything you played on it? Um, I. It's complicated. Um, <laughs> I thought Horizon Call of the Mountain is all right. I have very particular problems with the Horizon series. Um, just as somebody with an indigenous background, there's sure. a lot of it that that really is problematic. Um, but I tried to kind of put that on hold uh, while I did it, and just has like a climbing sim. I kind of like the concept of a, of a climbing of a first person VR climbing sim. It's 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 kind of a cool way to uh, approach it. Do they have the climb on PSVR? Um, I don't know if they have it on PSVR two. Okay. No, oh, and I will say Beat Saber is always rad. Well, yeah, Beat Saber is great. Um, yeah. yeah, the uh, uh, I don't know when or like if they'll ever PSVR two port. What's that? It does not look like there is a PSVR two port. I oh, okay. Know. Um, yeah, the climbs are pretty good. Uh, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're into that kind of a game, they're pretty fun. Um, yeah, I'm, everyone keeps saying when is Half-Life Alex going to, uh, PSVR 2? I, I don't know when or if that'll ever happen. Honestly, I don't oh, think Valve it, really has a reason to, um, if no, anything, why yeah, why would yeah. they, if anything, um, let me plug my PSVR 2 into my computer and then, yep, like it's, <laughs> It's one of the best headsets out there. It's just there's it no is. software for it. it, it honestly, it, it looks incredible. Like yeah. the, the 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 dual like 4K screens that you get with it. That's so it's really crisp and clean, and the colors are super vibrant. Uh, it's it's it is a very good piece of hardware with nothing to justify the purchase. That's so uh, and, unfortunate. Yeah, and I'm just glad I got to write it off as a business expense. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's interesting. We briefly mentioned Nintendo's next hardware. I think we're seeing that next year. And this week has has been really interesting to think about what's coming next hardware-wise for all of these console manufacturers. Talking about the Insomniac leak, if you've been on the internet this week, you've definitely seen it. A lot of information was leaked by hackers who held Insomniac ransom and they didn't pay the ransom, so they released like two terabytes of information and included in that was a lot of sales data and budgets of how much these games take to make, and it's hundreds of millions of dollars to make a PlayStation 5 exclusive, and I can't help but look at that and from my Nintendo lens for shows like this, think Nintendo's got to figure it out. Mario Wonder is going to sell over 10 million copies and you know it didn't cost anywhere close to $300 million to make. Tears of the Kingdom probably cost a ton, but it's going to sell 20 million and make it all back. And that's one game. Like, it's not every game like that they make as a blockbuster. Nintendo lives a lot in that double A space and they sell millions and they see outstanding returns. And I know that they're probably looking at this and thinking, yeah, 
1080p forever is fine because it's not going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make and it'll still sell. Like it's just what PlayStation, Xbox, and a lot of third parties are doing just isn't sustainable. Something's going to break eventually. It's bending about as far as it can right now. And I look at the next five to 10 years and I feel like the most secure development is Nintendo. Like they've got it figured out. (laughs) And I'm curious to see how powerful their next machine is because it's not going to be probably some people will be unhappy at how powerful it is because it's not going to be an enormous leap. No, like I but think I, everyone is hoping. I think there's going to be, um, uh, and I, I'm curious about Justin's opinion on this too because I know like he's you know hardware guy as well. Like I feel like we are starting to get to a point where um, we have to be okay with like what is available and we have to work on okay. You can't just keep throwing raw power at this thing. How do we? develop software that makes this both more optimized and makes this um helps us work smarter and not harder because right now i feel like there's a lot of that happening um throughout the industry i think like things like unreal engine 5 is making tremendous strides to like cut down on the amount of work that goes into development overall and like having a lot of those assets shared among the community but um I think at some point, like it's it's almost not worth it, and I think that's why you're not seeing a lot of PlayStation games come out right now because um, they have to be they don't have the overhead like Microsoft has, where Microsoft is an entire cloud computing company, and that's just one mm-hmm. sect of their business. Sony's golden goose is PlayStation; like they yep. can't mess this up. So any any game that they release has to be carefully decided upon and people have to yeah. buy it. Like they don't, they can't afford to make a lot of mistakes, especially if it costs this much to make a game. Yeah. Uh, fortunately though, if you're Sony, you can just re-release the last of us 87 times. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'll say this. Like the yeah. fact that I didn't buy that collector's edition is saying something for, yeah. for part two. Mm-hmm. Like I am the biggest last of us fan that I know. And I'm all right. Like I'm over it that's not good no yeah yeah that's uh kind of a look at at the games industry outside of nintendo but we're starting to run a little short on time i did want to talk about some movies maybe some tv shows some other stuff we're into this year justin and i both just saw godzilla minus one within the last week and wow i walked out of that pretty blown away justin i want to hear what you thought of it I thought it was simply incredible, like absolutely incredible. It it recaptured, I think, the spirit of uh, Godzilla 1954 um, in a way that maybe outside of Shin Godzilla, modern movies have not. Um, it's, I think Godzilla had maybe a total of like 12 minutes of screen time in this uh, feature length movie. And I think that that was so for the best. It, I mean, it's a horror movie, ultimately, like what, like. Really? Godzilla is terrifying in it, and uh, it it really does an amazing job focusing on its characters and being about them. And like typically, like I don't know about other Godzilla fans out there, but when I was a kid, if I had the choice to fast forward through any time I saw people and just get to the, the 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 battles with Godzilla, I would do so. And and here it, that would be such a mistake. The uh, you know it 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 takes place in like immediate post-war Japan, a, a company that has been devastated mil- militarily, economically, that is rebuilding, um, you know, survivors returning from the war, picking up the pieces of their lives and finding out who's still alive and who, you know, died in the bombing and things like that. And it's, it's, it's poignant. And the, the main character is, you know, untangling his own trauma and, 
uh, his his own views on his own self worth, and like Godzilla becomes a big piece of that. Um, and the ending, oh my god, the ending is so good. And when they bring in the Godzilla theme track at those couple of points, it was it was chills. I I I couldn't believe it. Yeah, this this movie made me tear up in multiple mm-hmm. points, which I never thought I would think about a Godzilla movie. Like, yeah, and I'm not even a big Godzilla fan. I've seen the only ones I've seen are like the modern MonsterVerse ones. That's it. That's all I have seen of Godzilla. You've never I'm seen the Ice Project one? Oh, <laughs> I've seen nothing before what 2014 Godzilla. That's it. Okay, That's don't all bring I've that seen. evil on us, Chris. I know. I'm sorry. I knew you would hate it. I know. Yeah. So I, I, I am a long time Godzilla fan. Um, and I've I, like for a, a long time, I really thought that if they ever really did like a proper, like frankly serious, like remake or recreation of the original Godzilla, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, as we call it out, out here, um, it could be a spectacular movie. And they've, they've essentially done that here. Um, and it's, it's so much, it is so much better than anything I possibly could have imagined. Yeah, with I knew I was going to like it within the first five minutes when because yeah. our our main character is this you learn this isn't really a spoiler you learn this in the opening scene he is a kamikaze pilot who pretended that his plane was faulty so he did not have to give up his life in in the war that was already lost essentially mm. and you learn that in the first five minutes and basically there's this dialogue between two characters the main character and and a mechanic where he says yeah what's the point of like honor or sacrifice when we already know the result and it's like challenging this this idea of that was very prevalent in japan at the time and in japan's history of like honor and sacrifice and i loved seeing media come out of japan that challenges that stereotype because i feel like especially in the west Mm -hmm. representation as a whole in media is very like oh you're so honorable and that's what it's all about and it's like that is like such a stereotype so to see a, a japanese movie tackle that was super fascinating and done really really well i loved that aspect of it it was super cool and like we talked about earlier with stories i like things that are very thoughtful and questioning and this movie does that in a number of ways yeah godzilla is terrifying like justin said it is he is just a force to be reckoned with there is no humanity in this version of godzilla like i feel like the american movies like there was like oh and then he has this mutual respect for humanity and sails off into the ocean no there is none of that in this character he is a beast and it is awesome and it is terrifying i feel like the the monster movies i have seen it's like you see these big fights and they're zoomed out from this helicopter camera above the action and godzilla is just tearing through cgi cities and it's meaningless there's no stakes at all but this it keeps the camera on the ground and you are looking up at godzilla like you're on these streets with the people running from him and the, the framing of it is just so phenomenal it it's the main character isn't Godzilla. It's the people that are that he is threatening. And it's just brilliant. It's just an amazing movie. And the ending is awesome. And yeah, there's there's so many great lines and moments and characters that this is my favorite movie I've seen this year. It was and, just so, yeah. so good. I think I would, I would agree with that. And honestly, it's a movie that has a thesis. It has something to say. It's making mm-hmm. a statement. Uh, and it, you know, it it does that from the beginning to the end and it pays it off and yeah man i wish we could do like a whole spoiler cast of it because like the ending in particular is such a perfect way to to tie it up i'm not talking about like the very very final scene but like the the showdown and how that plays it's it's so good and um 
yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad, honestly, that you're not a huge Godzilla fan and you still loved it because as somebody who is, who grew up with them and watched my tapes until they wore out when I was a kid and recorded them off of like off of TV channels and fast forward through commercials and stuff. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I recommend this movie to everybody. It's so, so incredibly good. And the CGI is amazing. Like Godzilla looks real. Like he looks amazing in that movie. He's so it's so cool. Yeah, it's great, Chris. You got to watch it. It's amazing. I, I really would love to see it in theaters. I don't think it'll happen. Um, just, I think they just extended it again. I will say because it is, it is did, doing really well. It's just it's so hard to get out. Um, oh, for sure. Like, oh, just, especially with yeah. yeah, with the little one. Is that age? Yeah, a, yeah, sitter and all that. Um, I'm the same way with um. The boy and the heron, uh, or heron. I, I don't know how to say that word. I've never heard anyone say it out loud. Um, I think heron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, heron. It's a type of bird. I know. I just don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> how to say it. Um, but uh, I would give anything to see that movie in theaters because um, I'm just such a huge Miyazaki fan, and uh, I don't think it's going to happen. At least not for the not for this run because. Uh, it's just it's so dang hard, and with Christmas, like it's there's just so much going on. Um, I will say I saw that one the same day I saw Godzilla. Yeah, Ooh, Logan and, Double Feature. Yeah, it was it was good. I did not walk out blown away. What is uh, uh? I thought it was very good. What is your favorite Miyazaki film? If you had to pick one, Spirited Away. Spirited Away. What about you, Justin? Yeah. Uh, I have never seen a Miyazaki film. Wow. Okay. All right. You should watch Spirited Away. What's yours, Chris? Um, mine is actually Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Um, I think that game has a lot of, uh, or that, that movie has a lot of inspiration. Uh, in That movie inspired a lot of things in Nintendo that a lot of people don't realize. And then you watch that movie and like your head kind of splatters all over the wall. Um, yeah, man, if only Nintendo had a series that was like perfect for a Ghibli movie. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to make a major motion picture of no. no, I will say that that's that is one of my biggest like gaps because uh, I'm a huge anime fan, huge anime fan. Oh, yeah. Like that's like so typically like my my typical evening, if it goes kind of the way I want it to go is like I come from home from work in my day job. I do whatever writing I'm going to do, have dinner, spend time with the family and then kids go to bed, spend some time with my lovely wife. And then she goes to bed. I get in some quality video gaming time and then I watch like an hour or two of anime make myself a little snack and that's my night and that is like my perfect evening and and when I, do you I, go to bed yeah really uh, i i'm a, i'm a night owl i yeah. so yeah yeah i'm not great at going to bed at, at good times um <laughs> yeah. but and so like I, I watch a ton of anime and i've never seen anything do you uh, have TV. uh max yeah it they're they're all on there i mean you you I can't know. really if you ever decide to watch them you really can't go wrong with any of them i think that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of like the um the hesitation that I think a lot of people have is they're like, or they watch Spirited Away and then they're like, they either get it or they don't. Um, I was gonna say my yeah my understanding is like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke or good like those are usually the to, two that people yeah. end up recommending. Um, Jess's favorite is House Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I've heard that recommendation a lot. Yeah, she watched uh, a lot growing up. Um, same with Kiki's Delivery Service. We have like Kiki stuff like all over the house. Um, <laughs> nice. And then. Uh, I really like Porco Rosso. I feel like Logan, you would like that movie a lot. I've not seen that one. My friends really like that one yeah, too. I, to I just feel like it's your kind of humor. Um, and just that, that character is like kind of ridiculous. It, it has like one of the funniest lines in I think any Miyazaki movie. Um, yeah, there's I'll have to watch that one. I love a ton of them. They're, they're all great. I, w- I will say about the boy and the heron. I feel like 
the one it's definitely closest to is Spirited Away. Kind of this fantasy world with it, these characters yeah. that are fully explained, and it just feels like an imitation of it at the end of it to me. Okay. Um, it doesn't. It just didn't super stand out because it just feels so similar in so many ways to that movie that I. I'm like, huh, I, I don't see what separates this one. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll have to see it and we can talk about it then. But, yeah, you had a movie, though, Chris, that you wanted to shout out before we wrap up. I have a question and then we can talk about the movie that I watched. Um, so okay. what is your relationship with the 2000 animated film Chicken Run? Never seen it? I have none. Okay. I figured that was the case um, because this is very much. I know a, it, but I've yeah, never seen it. It's very much a millennials movie. Like the, I was, I was the ripe age of seven years old when this came out in theaters, the Burger King toys were hot. I had them all like <laughs> that. That was, that was a movie of my childhood. Uh, same with my wife. And they released a sequel to it on Netflix called chicken run Dawn of the nugget. It came out like five days ago. I watched it last night, and let me tell you, it is the darkest comedy I've ever seen. Oh, my. Like, it is unbelievable. Like, there were so many moments in it where I looked over at Jess, and I was like, "I they made this? Like, this is for children? I can't believe this. Um, was this made by the Wallace and Gromit people? It is, yeah. It's the same it's studio. very much they, their style. Yeah, so they, they do that claymation. Like, it's all stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... I'll say this. If you if you have any hesitation, watch the first like 10 minutes of this if you have Netflix. Um, there the opening, there's an opening montage in it that from a pure animation perspective, like when this was happening, I, I looked at Jess and was just like, this is gonna this is gonna be a movie. Like the the attention to detail and the way that it flowed like through this whole sequence, I was just like, this is so beautifully crafted and everything is so intricately thought out um i really couldn't believe how much i enjoyed it um it 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 definitely but it it has so many moments that when you take a step back it just it makes you so uncomfortable like i feel like i can't eat chicken for a while (laughs) after watching it Um, oh no donald the nugget yeah Uh oh so that's what it's about yeah 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 um if you yeah if you're at all interested in like stop motion or and that was kind of my you know my my uh what i meant earlier when we were talking about star wars um you know that uh practical effects versus cgi and all that um you know and how much i appreciate movies that do that and this is one of them um you know that the dark crystal labyrinth uh the lord of the rings films like mm-hmm. This movie is just like you can see the fingerprints on if your TV is clear enough on the clay of each of these characters. Like that's how good it looks. That's really fantastic. Cool. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So yeah, on on, on that note, I just got uh, as as our part of our Christmas watching, I, I got the kids to watch Gremlins for the first time, which Ooh. is all puppets, practical effects, nice. and man, that movie. Not only is it, I haven't seen it in twenty years. Not only does it hold up extremely well, I can't believe how great the puppets look and how funny the thing is. Oh my God. The movie is so funny. It like, I, in my head, it was like, it was kind of a horror movie set around Christmas, which it definitely is, but they definitely lean into playing it for laughs. My, my favorite part is near the end when kind of like the main, um, little, little monster, like his, his solutions, he just gets a gun and just starts shooting at him. He just like, <laughs> li- like literally just pulls out a revolver. It's, it's exquisite. Uh, great Christmas movie, uh, to watch with the tween age kids. Gizmo. Whoa. 
good. That was excellent. Also, Gizmo voiced by Howie Mandel. Yes. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> what? Oh, my God. There's no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, Howie did a lot of voice work back in the day. Yeah, he did. I did not know any of that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's something for me to look like, at. What, what was that one show? Bobby's World? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Jesus. Yep. Not not one that will necessarily that. Uh, oh, actually, he if, his if his you, podcast is named that. I think. Or oh, the, is it really? Or it's like the world according to Howie or something like that. That's excellent. Yeah, I will say if um if you got that reference, be sure to take it slow. Getting out of bed in the morning, you don't want to pull anything. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get it, so I'm in the clear. Yep. So speaking of TV, I had one TV show I wanted to shout out before we get out of here. Have either of you guys watched The Bear? Oh my god, it's incredible. I have, incredible. I have not. Yeah, it 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 is probably my top 5 favorite TV shows ever. I think it is just brilliant. If you don't know what The Bear is, it's on it's an FX show that I watch on Hulu and the there's two seasons out and and the first season is all about this this really prolific New York fancy culinary chef who moves back home to Chicago to run his dead brother's sandwich shop. And the sandwich shop's a disaster, and none of the staff respect him because he's replacing his brother after he just died, and it's just it's just a mess. And it's about them kind of getting their act together and running this restaurant. And then season two carries on, picks up from all the same characters, and the kind of picks up on the big ending from season one. And season two came out this summer, and there's one episode specifically in it that is just like one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Like, especially for me right now, where I talked about how I don't care about stories as much as I used to. I have never given more of a shit about a group of characters than the characters <laughs> in the bear. Like, they are... I love them all so much, and I care about them all so much, and I root for them harder than I root for any group yeah. of characters in pretty much anything. They're all very flawed people that are just trying their best, and they keep messing up, and... It's just amazing. It's it's a stressful watch. There are very stressful interpersonal moments in this show, and it deals with a lot of very heavy themes, but the result is so worth it, just watching how they all grow across the course of the two seasons we've had so far. There's a third on the way. It got renewed already, so it's not over, but it's just incredible. And, yeah, I think about that show all the time. So, I, Chris, I, I highly recommend. I absolutely love that show, and I will say as somebody who works primarily in things like live events and things, it does such a perfect job of encapsulating that pressure cooker of you have like clients or mm -hmm. customers outside who are looking for this experience, but as soon as you get to back of house, it's a different world, and everything is on fire, and you need to uh, manage the fires, you need to get stuff done, and you need to get it back out there and contain the chaos in a place where the folks who are there don't see it. And it has a couple of incredible episodes. I, I'm going to guess the one that you're talking about is that holiday episode with the family get-together. It's not. It's uh, Forks. Is, 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 it, is it the, the Richie one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it, there are two episodes, I think, in this season that are some of the best episodes of TV either uh, ever. One is this basically a side episode of a family dinner where they bring in, like, guest stars like John Mulaney, Jamie Lee Curtis, Bob Odenkirk, uh, and, like, it's incredible. And none of them feel like stunt cast or anything like that. They fit perfectly in with the family. And you can see the, 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 the high function plus the dysfunction plus people just trying to like survive uh, getting together and then the episode uh, forks is um 
I, I'm, I'm right with you. I don't know that I've ever rooted for a character more than I'm rooting for this character, Richie, in this episode. Um, where, like, I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, somebody who's been at the restaurant since before the main character took it over, who's a member of the family, who is kind of a... Um, he, he's, he's, he's a troublemaker. He's, he's, he's often the foil of the protagonist, um, but, uh, uh, you know, has, has a good heart on him. Um, basically, get get gets exiled to learn how to like do it proper, and like the effect it has on him. And man, when when they ask him about why he's wearing the suit at the end, that is that's like one of the most touching lines from any episode episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's amazing. Everybody should watch this show. It's also just shot beautifully. Like it is a gorgeous show to look at. The way they frame the food when they're plating it and serving it, it's it's just super satisfying to watch. Like if you like those satisfying videos people post on the internet of like slicing through food, yeah. or it's like this show has that element. It's just gorgeous to look at, and it's just awesome. And I just love how it portrays all its characters. The but, only thing is, you have to be you have to be comfortable with a lot of stress. Lots of stress, lots of cussing, lots of like throwing things. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's messy. It's you, messy. It's but funny. You it feels say very that. real. So I tried watching the first episode as I was packing up my condo, like to move into this house, <laughs> and I was like, ah, no, like I because yeah. there was just yeah. so much going on, and that's probably why not, I did not, not enjoy something it. to watch in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I we got to call it off because I got to run out and head into a holiday party this nice. evening. So that is Ooh. the end of our little uh, hidden block episode of the Toadstool Boardroom for 2023. This was our gift to you, the listeners, to come back with one more special episode. No Nintendo talk allowed. We squeezed in a little bit, but that's always to be expected. But yeah, we as we talked about a couple weeks ago, appreciate all the growth we've seen this year. And for anyone who's been listening to us this year, we just really appreciate you and wanted to give you one more little special episode as a holiday treat. Hope you're all enjoying the festivities, the holidays, the winter break with your friends, family, uh, and anybody that's important to you so yeah hope you enjoyed that chris justin i hope you have a great holiday season you as well and mm-hmm. thank you we're coming back next year and guys i'm excited i'm really excited for 2024 for nintendo i think there's going to be so much to talk about we'll come back in january with our predictions and kind of our year, preview of the year and i think it's going to be a ton of fun and i'm excited to get into all of that with you guys chris is raising his eyebrows pax east i'm going pax east yeah, we'll see. It's still up in the air for me. I'm like, okay. I'm like 75, 25. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Maybe record an in-person episode Ooh, of the boardroom. That could be fun. Yeah. But that's going to do it for this hidden block of the Toadstool Boardroom. We're usually a weekly Nintendo show here. Thursdays, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to your show. This episode's audio only, but come January, we will be back on YouTube video version, back by popular demand. I think our first show of the year will be up on Thursday, January 4th. So look out for it on YouTube and podcast services. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great holiday season for Justin and Chris. My name's Logan, and we'll catch you in 2024 back here in the Toadstool Boardroom.